Welcome to the Reform Rookie Podcast. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so? Worthy vicar, do we find anything here of relics? By faith man lives and is made righteous, not by what he does for himself. Be it adoration of relics, singing of masses, pilgrimages to Rome, purchase of pardon for his sins, but by faith in what God has done for him already through his son. Dr. Martin, if you leave the Christian to live only by faith, if you sweep away all good works, all these glorious things you dismiss as mere crutches, what will you put in their place? Christ. Man only needs Jesus Christ. This will be our last uh, evening in chapter 6. And uh, next week we'll start up chapter 7. So we're going through All Things for Good by Thomas Watson, uh, referencing Romans 8.28. Uh, through chapter 6, um, Thomas Watson has been giving an exhortation to love God. And he started off giving 20 motivations that should cause us to love God, to be motivated to love God. Um, and when we completed that, the question was naturally, what shall we do to love God? And so that was what we talked about uh, starting last week. And we talked about studying God, laboring for an interest in God, and making it our request, our earnest request to God, praying, asking God uh, to help us love Him. And then so in giving an exhortation to preserve our love to God, um, he talked about what it looks like um, that Christians might know if their love is decaying. You know, an opportunity for self-examination to see uh, the temperature of our heart, uh, the temperature of our, our love for God, and to know if, if there's a decay there. So last time we talked about three of the signs he gave four, and so we'll start with the fourth one uh, now. Uh, but four signs which, which Christians may know that their love is decaying. One is... Well, you guys remember who was here? <laughs> who remembers the, the four signs or the three signs that we discussed last time? <laughs> Extra credit if you know the fourth sign. <laughs> means you've been reading ahead. They've lost their... I heard it. They lost their appetite. That was the second one. Uh, lost taste was the first one. Uh, and then uh, they grow more in love with the world. So today we'll start off talking about the fourth sign and moving on. And you can read that. Okay. Number four, when they make little reckoning of God's worship, duties of religion are performed in a dead, formal manner. If they are not left undone, yet they are ill done. This is a sad symptom of a spiritual decay. Remissness in duty shows a decay in our first love. The strings of a violin being slack, the violin can never make good music. When men grow slack in duty, they pray as if they prayed not. This can never make any harmonious sound in God's ears. When the spiritual motion is slow and heavy and the pulse of the soul beats low, it is a sign that Christians have left their first love. So, um, this is something that we've talked about before uh, regarding duty regarding um, showing up for worship and, and how we go about our worship. Um, and so the question is, 
what do you think this looks like <laughs> as he's describing it in his Puritan way? What do you think that looks like that you make a little reckoning of God's worship? Do we see it today or does it happen anymore? That's an old problem. Mm-hmm. You know, society obviously plays into that, and how how uh, people veer uh, uh, toward the, the ways of society as opposed to the ways of the church. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think we see that in, in the ebbs and flows in Christianity throughout church history. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, even today, if you want to talk about uh, even uh, Israel, right? Israel has many types of ebbs and flows. You know, when mm-hmm. when they stray from what was proper worship. No joy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the difference between uh, us kids who want to play on a little baseball team and the parents forcing the kids to play on a baseball team. Mm-hmm. You know, the kid who wants to play, he's watching baseball, playing with him, doing the baseball cards mm-hmm. exclusively. He gets on the field. He wants to be like whoever his hero is because mm-hmm. he's watching it. He's involved in it. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with people who come to worship God. Mm-hmm. They're reading their Bible. They're seeing how God interacts with people. They're seeing the Apostle Paul, you know, preach the gospel. And people come into the world. It's like, that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you're not immersed in it throughout the week, mm-hmm. reading your Bible, you know, listening to the messages, mm-hmm. whatever, coming to prayer, it's going to be like, the kid who just doesn't watch baseball, he's not has no interest. He's just being forced to play. Right. He's got to show up. He's got to show up. Go through the motions. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going back to last week, right? We have to have love for God. Mm-hmm. If you're lacking that, you're not going to want to worship either. Right. Right. And that this is the fourth sign, right? And I'm sure there's there's many, right? But these are kind of the overarching, give you an idea of of what's going on in the person's life. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, those are all good answers. Um, you know, on the one hand, you know, we talked about uh, just the formality, you know, going to Little League because you have to as opposed to, like, sign me up for Little League, I want to be there, right? Um, and so you can tell the person who is immersed in Little League or worship, you know, and some people meld the two, which is a problem, but for the metaphor... <laughs> Right, um, you can tell the one who's just showing up that day because they have to, <laughs> and the one who is excited to because it's the culmination of everything they've been wanting to do all week and being part of and imbibing those means of grace throughout the week. They're they're in the word, they're in prayer, they're in a holy conference, as as he'll <laughs> say later on. You know, talking about the things of the Lord. Um, is it a, is it a formality, or is it something that you are? engaged in. Um, speaking of the, the Catholics and the repetition, and you know, people are looking at the worship service, and I've seen this, I've heard comedians joke about the idea like, well, the Mass, one hour and you're out. You can go right to IHOP or wherever, <laughs> wherever they're going after. You know, the idea of saying any length of time, well, that's cutting into their time. So it really is. They got to check off the box. They feel like, oh, they'll show up but it means absolutely nothing to them. It doesn't change them in the slightest because they have no love. They're just there. Um, uh, Sarah mentioning COVID and Jerry mentioning the, the worldly worship. Uh, a sign of love decaying is um, either one, <laughs> what you're worshiping what you really love, which is yourself, and so you're making the worship service about you. Um, making it something that you can enjoy because you're the seeker, you're the audience, not understanding that we're coming to worship God. <laughs> He's the audience. Um, and so, yeah, you're, you're taking something uh, of worship and it shows that you have little reckoning for what it is. You have little reckoning for what worship is supposed to be, what God is calling us to uh, and how we should view it. And then, you know, with COVID, uh, if I had a nickel every time I heard someone say, love thy neighbor, <laughs> and, and, you know, um, and if I had a, a nickel for every time no one said, <laughs> love the Lord your God, <laughs> you know, how can you love your neighbor if you don't love God first? And people were quick to seem to kind of jettison off from the worship service. Um, it didn't matter. It didn't, it didn't miss much. It didn't change much. Um, I think that was one of the, the, the most striking, <laughs> um, trying, to think of the, trying to think of a tactful word. <laughs> um, I think that was one of the worst things that we saw about the church was that the church shut down and no one seemed to notice, <laughs> you know, um, because we already had, you know. It, it was basically like, we're not going to worship God properly, so just like the Old Testament, God says, don't bother coming, <laughs> you know. I'll take away the temple, you know. You're not worshiping me the way you, you should, so we'll just take it away. And so that's, it's a, 
that, that was that was on my mind a lot um, back then. Uh, and so, obviously, we're taking this time as we go through and just seeing. This is a something for us to see has love decayed in ourselves and people we know who are, you know, professing believers, people we love and care about. Do we see warning signs, red flags that we might pray for them, encourage them, you know? Um, we want to encourage one another, you know, unto good works, right? Um, so any questions or comments about that? Good, uh, good insights, all of them. I appreciate that. So he says, let us take heed of the spiritual decay. It is dangerous to abatement in our love. Love is such a grace as we know not how to be without. A soldier may as well be without his weapons, an artist without his pencil, a musician without his instrument, as a Christian can be without love. The body cannot lack its natural heat. Love is to the soul as the natural heat is to the body. There is no living without it. Love influences the graces. It excites the affections. It makes us grieve for sin. It makes us cheerful in God. It is like oil to the wheels. It quickens us in God's service. How careful then we should be to keep alive our love for God. So he says, let us take heed. And so, I mean, obviously we're going through this, this chapter and it's taken us seven weeks to do it. <laughs> so we are taking heed, I hope. Um, but is that, something, is that something throughout our walk, you know, um, day by day? Are we taking heed? Are, is that something we even think about? You know, we, we spoke last time about making that earnest request to God, help me to love you more. You know, most people ask, well, you know, help me overcome this sin or help me overcome that sin or help me to do this better or that better. To love God is a commandment, <laughs> and none of us do it perfectly. So it's a good and right prayer request to ask as often as you need, Lord, help me to love you more. Do we think about our love? Do we think about our love to Cain? Do we see signs of lethargy? <laughs> you know? Any questions or comments on that before we move on to the next slide? Uh, I think like illness creep up on Jesus. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Just like uh, with cancer, you can go and go to your doctor, get screenings, right? Uh, you know, you can do examinations to see, is there anything out of place? Is there anything wrong? Is there anything off? And so you can make yourself aware, hopefully, ahead of time before things progress and things are worse um, and it's harder to come back from that. Indeed, yeah. Okay. Question, how may we keep our love from going out? Answer, watch your hearts every day. Take notice of the first declinings in grace. Observe yourselves when you begin to grow dull and listless and use all means for quickening. Be much in prayer, meditation, and holy conference. 
When the fire is going out, you throw on fuel. So when the flame of your love is going out, make use of ordinances and gospel promises as fuel to keep the fire of your love burning. Hmm. Okay. Um, I know Jerry has. Who's, <laughs> who's ever been camping and, and needed a fire? <laughs> Who else? Jason, you point. Jerry's selling you out. He's like, <laughs> just like him. <laughs> Tell us more about your fire building skills. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I have my friend Bick with me. <laughs> He's excellent at uh, making fires. Right. Um, now, what's easier, to keep the fire going by adding on wood or to start over fresh when that fire has gone out? Yeah, right? And so you have to watch the fire. <laughs> if you've ever been camping, and as a Boy Scout, I've, I've done my, <laughs> my, sh my share of camping, and um, especially when you want to try to start that fire as naturally as possible. <laughs> it's like, don't let that fire go out. <laughs> you know, pity the, pity the scout who was not keeping an eye on it when it was his responsibility um, to, to keep wood on the fire. We have to keep an eye on our own hearts. We have to make sure that we are uh, adding to it. So what is he saying here? Um, take notice of it every day. Oh, well, watch your heart every day so that you would take notice of the first declining. And then what do you do? <laughs> She's mouthing it. <laughs> it's an open book test. <laughs> What's that? And holy conference. I kind of gave you a hint before what a holy conference is. What's a holy conference? What's that? Fellowship, Fellowship. yeah. What's well, a conference? People get together and they're talking about stuff. This is a holy conference. You know, we're, we're gathering together with saints. We're having conversations. Um, we're conferring. And um, it's a means of grace. I mean, that's why Hebrews tells us in, in the 10th chapter there about not forsaking the assembling, as is the habit of some, but rather to gather and encourage each other. Uh, all the more as you see the day drawing near. Um, and so we have to make use of that means of grace. And, uh, you know, I think, I think that's harder nowadays somewhat because we live... In this modern society, even though we're like right on top of each other, <laughs> you know, um, you know, you, we have people all around us, but we're not, the community is not set up like it once was back with the Puritans, you know, it was, people would have to meet in town and gather in town. Your neighbors, you had a much closer relationship with them, um, and so you had more opportunities to be in community and to, uh, and to speak of these things, and here, you know, we have people who are spread out over miles, right? And so coming together is like, all right, we got to get in the car. And, you know, maybe it's just down the road, maybe 20 minutes away, maybe 40 minutes away. We still need the fellowship. And so we need to make the use of uh, these opportunities as much as possible. Uh, any questions or comments on that before we move on? Break forward enough, right? Number three, uh, well, this is um, three throughout the, the book. An, an exhortation to increase your love to God. So now we talked about the K, now we're talking about increasing it. It says, let me exhort Christians to increase your love to God. Let your love be raised up higher. And this I pray that your love may abound more and more. 
That's from Philippians. Our love to God should be as the light of the morning. First there is the daybreak, then it shines brighter to the full meridian. They who have a few sparks of love should blow up those divine sparks into a flame. A Christian should not be content with so small a grain of grace as may make him wonder whether he has any grace or not, but be, uh, should be still increasing the stock. He who has a little gold would have more. You who love God a little, labor to love Him more. A godly man is contented with a very little of the world, yet he is never satisfied, but would have more of the Spirit's influence and labors to add one degree of love to another, to persuade Christians to put more oil to the lamp and increase the flame of their love, let me propose these four divine incentives. Okay. So, we've talked about as we've gone through this chapter, become lovers of God, preserve your love for God, and now it's increase your love for God is his next exhortation. Can any of us disagree that these are necessary steps at different times for believers? Is this something where, as we consider these, threat, uh, three, these three steps, <laughs> is it something like, well, once you get to a certain level, you never have to worry about that again? Is that it? Like, once you get that level, it's like, it's like a game. You're locked in, right? <laughs> you can't go lower <laughs> for the video game enthusiast. No? <laughs> I'm glad not many people got that. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> um, but the question remains. <laughs> Jerry, Mike, thank you. If you're not maintaining your your worship, if you're not maintaining your prayer, if you're not maintaining your study, if you're not maintaining your fellowship, it's very easy just to get there. I mean, in that moment, he was not loving God. <laughs> he, was, he was loving his own sinful desires. And um, that one decision had, and the decisions that followed as he tried to cover up his sin just continued to uh, spiral. And um, while his relationship with the Lord was restored, again, the consequences were there um, continually. Mike, did you? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You know, while the, the, the Christian grows in sanctification, um, you know, we never arrive, you know. Um, we don't hold to sinless perfectionism here, this side of the veil. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we can have, you know, you think especially for someone um, who gets saved and they have, maybe they have many besetting sins, many, many things that they struggle with and they get victory over that. Um, a Christian can have victory over a certain sin and, you know, later on that sin pops up. So we always have to be uh, vigilant, you know, uh, and guard against those things. Um, so, you know, uh, as we, when we become believers, you know, God gives us a love for Him, right? That when He gives us faith and we respond to the gospel, we have a love for God that, you know, he has accomplished in us, um, but we should strive to continue to become lovers of God, preserve that love, and increase that love. And um, anyone else who's been in a relationship who knows how these things kind of ebb and flow as far as feelings, you know, we don't, this is not strictly about feelings. Um, feelings are part of it, but love is manifested in actions. You know, all the law and the prophets show how you love God and love your neighbor. Um, so, we can we can go back and forth. I, I think it really touches on our doctrine of perseverance mm. in the perseverance of the saints. Because you'll get people with an improper understanding who will say, Well, it doesn't matter what I do, it's all God. Mm-hmm. Right? But the true saint, the true Christian, is gonna heed the warnings of scripture, are gonna hear heed this advice and pursue God. Mm-hmm. So you, you you have the two ends of the ditch. It's all me right. or it's all God. Right. Right. You have to pursue God. Yes, mm-hmm. He's going to keep you. Mm-hmm. But the evidence of your salvation is you heeding these warnings and pursuing it. Mm-hmm. Amen. Any other uh, questions or comments before we get into these four divine incentives? No? Okay. All right. Number one the growth of love evinces its reality. If I see the almond tree bud and flourish, I know there is life in the root. Paint will not grow. A hypocrite who is but a picture will not grow. But where we see love to God increasing and growing larger as Elijah's cloud, we may conclude it is true and genuine. Hmm. So, what does that mean? What does Vince's mean? Anyone know that? <laughs> Want to Give a stab at it. <laughs> He's getting the phone out. Google. <laughs> Siri, tell me what offenses means. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Think about it as my older just evidence that came from that. But yes, it's it's um, reveal the presence of, be evidence of, indicate. So the growth of love indicates the reality. It shows evidence of the reality. Um, and so that was, uh, I really appreciated his... Uh, the analogies there, I mean, it's it's pretty straightforward and plain, right? They said, well, if you see a plant growing, <laughs> well, it's alive, right? Dead plants don't grow. They kind of wither. <laughs> they just lay there, and, and they have to be raked up. Um, and I really, the paint will not grow. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> paint will not grow. A hypocrite who is but a picture will not grow, you know? Um, and that's something, again, we've, we've talked about this before, uh, about, you know, 
does a, a true hypocrite who really has no love for God, <laughs> do they ever worry that they're a hypocrite? <laughs> um, where you see believers will sometimes struggle with that because they know what they're supposed to be and they know how they fall short. And so they struggle with their salvation. I truly save. Look, I keep making these same mistakes. Um, and then you have other people who are doing everything an unbeliever does. <laughs> Nothing a believer does. He goes, no, I'm a believer. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Christian. Why? Well, because I said so, you know, because I believe in God. Um, but there is no growth. Um, and so that should, that, should, that should frighten us if we see no growth. Um, you know, it's something where you can, you can do it yearly. Examine yourself. How have I grown this year? You know, what, what fruit have I seen? And again, we're not patting ourselves on the back. We're realizing God is working in us in that. Um, but are we growing? Are we maturing in the faith? Are we in the same place we were last year? Um, you know, it's a good question uh, for us. And again, I, I think the, the true hypocrite's not even concerned uh, about these things. But I mean, what does a lack of what does a lack of growth indicate? You know, we know what growth indicates. There's life, and so on the other hand, lack of growth is death, death right? Um, and we are told. I mean, you know, you hear "judge not," <laughs> but you all know better. Uh, how are we supposed to judge? I got the judge not crowd tonight. <laughs> Ashley. Right. Judge, judge a tree by its fruit. Right? So there's supposed to be righteous discernment. Um, we judge with the same standard that we're going to apply to ourselves. I mean, that's where the judge not comes from, the, the hypocrisy, the, you know, the log in your own eye when you're trying to play, take a speck out of someone else's eye. Um, but no, we are called to, to discern. So that's one... One of the incentives there, um, keep in mind what we're talking about, the incentive here is to increase our love, right? And so growth, the growth of love will be evidence of its reality, and we want to continue to grow in that love. Number two, by the growth of love, we imitate the saints in the Bible. Their love to God, like the waters of the sanctuary, did rise higher. The disciples' love to Christ at first was weak. They fled from Christ. But after Christ's death, it grew more vigorous, and they made an open profession of Him. Peter's love at first was more infirm and languid. He denied Christ. But afterwards, how boldly did he preach Him? When Christ put him to a trial of His love, Simon, love you me? Peter could make his humble yet confident appeal to Christ, Lord, you know that I love you. Thus, that tender plant which before was blown down with the wind of a temptation now has grown into a cedar, which all the powers of hell cannot shake. Hmm. How often we think about our, our biblical heroes, warts and all that they had, right? Um, there's very few that we could say, oh, you know, <laughs> um, that their flaws aren't plainly obvious and um, not minor, you know. And that's hope for all of us, <laughs> right? Um, and... You know, we're in Hebrews, in, in, in chapter 11 now, and this, that hall of faith, and we have this great cloud of witnesses around us. So we think about um, the biblical saints um, and that we can imitate them. 
you know, uh, how many times. You know, sometimes people, um, they don't use the Old Testament well enough, but they'll use those character studies, you know, be a David, be a Joseph, be a Daniel. Those are, those are good uses, right? It's, it's good to point to those things and point to their example and to show that we can do the same thing in those circumstances, you know, looking to Christ. Um, of course, they, you know, there's, there's so much more there. But considering the disciples, they fled, yet later were bold, even in the face of persecution, of martyrdom. Uh, their love for God causing them to grow in obedience and humility. You see Peter going to the Gentiles where before... <laughs> He went because of love for God. God said, go. So he went. Um, Jonah struggled with that. <laughs> Jonah, go to Nineveh. No, <laughs> that's all right. I'm going to pass. <laughs> Taking a cruise. <laughs> cruise to Tarshish. Yeah, exactly. Right? Um, you know, he, he goes to the Gentiles. He goes, I couldn't even come into your house before. You know, but God had told him, and he loved God. And uh, we, we see um, him... Growing in obedience and humility, he learned from Paul's rebuke. We see Paul, um, his love uh, for his fellow Jews, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Quick questions or comments about that? The growth of love, we imitate the biblical saints. We think about that use of uh, Scripture. Okay. Number three. This is interesting. The growth of love will amplify the reward. The more we burn in love the more we shall shine in glory. The higher our love, the brighter our crown. That's it. <laughs> That's all he says. He doesn't even give a verse. <laughs> so what do we think? True, not true? Thomas Watson just filling pages there. <laughs> it's getting paid by the word. <laughs> how is that? How is that? How is that true then? How does that happen? Pastor Anthony. <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> you look at that like, what? <laughs> but that's exactly it. Your love will manifest in your works, and he rewards us for the works that he helps us <laughs> do in the first place. Yes, um, that's it. Any other questions or comments about that? All right. I think that summed it up well. So our last one, number four. The more we love God the more love we shall have from Him. Would we have God unbosom the sweet secrets of His love to us? Would we have the smiles of His face? Oh, then us, let us strive for higher degrees of love. Paul counted gold and, gold and pearl, but dung for Christ. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I may have Christ. Yes, he was so inflamed with love to God that he could have wished himself a curse from Christ for his brethren the Jews. Not that he could be a curse from Christ, but such was his fervent love 
and pious zeal for the glory of God that he would have been content to have suffered even beyond what is fit to speak if God might have had more honor. Here was love screwed up to the highest pitch that it was possible for a mortal to arrive at. And behold, how near he lay to God's heart. The Lord takes him up to heaven a while and lays him in his bosom, where he had such a glorious sight of God and heard those unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Never was any man a loser by his love to God. If our love for God... Well, I'm going to stop there. Uh, oh, we'll keep reading it. If our love to God does not increase, it will soon decrease. If the fire is not blown up, it will quickly go out. Therefore, Christians should, abo uh, should above all things endeavor to cherish and excite their love to God. This exhortation will be out of date when we come to heaven, for then our light shall be clear and our love perfect. But now it is in season to exhort that our love to God may yet abound uh, more and more. All right, I want to go back for a second there. Should have put a, uh, a space between those paragraphs. Let's consider that last, um, that last incentive, because that last paragraph I just read was him summing up um, the end part of the book. The more we love God, the more love we shall have from Him. Hmm. <laughs> yes or no? <laughs> Is Watson denying impassibility? <laughs> if you love God more, He'll love you more. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Ah, she goes, Scripture! <laughs> I stand on Scripture. Always a good answer. That's a smart kid, I tell you what. Your parents should be really proud. That's a, <laughs> I'll tell you. Oh, you got it? Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think that's a good answer, both of you. <laughs> um, we are affecting how we experience God's love. God's love is perfect, right? He, he, you know, the, the old song pastor reminds us of, you know, if I tell my wife I love you more today than yesterday, great. <laughs> you know, um, but God's love is not like that. He loves us perfectly. So he loves us perfectly, and yet there are times where it can seem like we are experiencing his love more. Uh, as we love him, our love is going to drive um, and be the lens um, by which we think, by which we speak, by which we act, in which we behave. And we talked about that just a moment ago, right, that obedience brings uh, favor, um, Consider Proverbs, the general principles found in Proverbs, when we obey, the, the blessings that come along with that. If you're experiencing blessings for doing what God has told you to do, it just seems like, um, it feels like God is really showing you His love. Now his, he loves you just as much when He's chastening you for sinning and bringing about consequences in your life. Um, but boy, it sure does feel more like love the other way, right? Um, 
So it certainly makes us feel loved, even if we're being persecuted for our love, too. Again, our perspective, if our perspective is right, if our love for God is burning brightly, um, and then we, we see God's love in everything, we are more keenly aware of God's love. So we can be under persecution and still be rejoicing in God's love. You think of Paul and Silas, <laughs> you know, praising God. Um, while they're in the prison, you know, they're beaten, they're whipped, <laughs> they're, they're chained up, uh, and yet they're very much feeling the love of God um, because of their love for Him and, and what the Spirit was doing through them. So it helps, to perceive, helps us to perceive our situation rightly and feel His love and His comfort even in difficult circumstances. Um, who thought what he said about uh, the Apostle Paul was interesting as far as Paul's motivation for being accursed. Did he say anything different than you thought previously or no? He wished that he himself could be a curse from Christ for his brethren. Hmm? Mm-hmm. And here, and I think there is that, I mean, that's the common way of talking about it, about his love, his love for the brethren. Um, you know, those who were his, his kinsmen, his fellow Jews, how he wanted them to see him saved. And yet Thomas Watson, well, he's not denying that. He goes, how much more did he want God to be honored and glorified that his brethren would turn to their God, would recognize their Messiah, and that he would get the glory from that? That was interesting. Um, and so, Julie. Indeed, well said. I gave them no notes ahead of time, I promise. <laughs> right, very good. Um, right, and as he says, there's nothing that we can sacrifice that will not result in a, in a greater, exponentially greater reward. Um, and so that last paragraph there is his, his summation of the chapter. If our love to God does not increase, it will soon decrease. If the fire is not blown up, it will quickly go out. Therefore, Christians should, above all things, above all things, uh, endeavor to cherish and excite their love to God. This exhortation will be out of date when we come to heaven, for then our light shall be clear and our love perfect. But now it is in season to exhort that our love to God may abound yet more and more. Questions or comments about that? Thoughts on that? Is this a message that we hear these days? Um, above all things, to, to cherish and excite our love for God. Yes? No? Maybe? Could be. Could be. Um, I think it was uh, Vody who talked about um, they were... Uh, people loving and very excited about a Jesus who they don't know very well, right? Um, and so that they're getting excited about, about what? Can you love someone you don't know? Um, can you? <laughs> well, yes and no. If you, the biblical standard says, yes, you can love someone you don't know. You can love your enemies. <laughs> you can love anyone. Um, and you're called to love. But um, 
you know, in, in terms of humanly speaking, as we're thinking about loving others, um, can you love someone if you don't know them? You know, maybe you're infatuated with them. You know, maybe you have a love for the idea of them, but as you get to know them more and more, like, oh, <laughs> there's some very unlovely things about this person. This is not causing me to be as enamored as I once was. God and his being perfect, that's never the case. Um, if we understand him rightly, it will only uh, grow us in our love uh, for him. And so, as he said, study God, <laughs> know him, get to know him more, uh, continue in our relationship, continue in, in getting uh, to know him through the word, and that will help to increase our love for him. So, questions or comments? We all, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And of course, this is Romans 8, 28. This is the whole, this whole book is about. We have a couple more chapters, um, but for chapter six, we're done. Only took seven weeks. Any questions? Comments? Final thoughts? All right, very good. Um, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the teachers, Lord, that you have gifted. Uh, we thank you for Thomas Watson, who, uh, having written this so long ago, um, has still <laughs> uh, the finger on the pulse to, to show the things that we need to be aware of, even today, uh, about our love for you, our need for our love for you to, to grow, to increase, to be preserved. Uh, and, Lord, the signs we should be aware of to see if that love is decaying. And so, Father, we recognize that we don't love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength the way we ought to. And so we do uh, plead with you to help us to love you more, to love you better, uh, to, to desire to serve you out of that love. And so, Father, we just pray that you would continue to bless us as we grow. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to the Reformed Rookie Podcast, where we aim to teach Reformed theology to beginners or rookies. Be sure to look us up on the web at www.reformedrookie.com, where you will find many more learning tools and aids to help you grow in your understanding of all things Reformed. And remember, Semper Reformanda. Dr. Luther, are you prepared to retract these writings? In some, I discuss faith and good works. If I were to retract these, I should be denying accepted Christian truths. Martin Luther, you have not yet answered the question. Will you recant, or will you not? Here it is. I am bound to my beliefs by the texts of the Bible. My conscience is captive to the Word of God. I cannot and I will not recant. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Amen.